about 45 years ago, a friend of mine in Australia who was, I believe he's still alive. He's up around the BIMI headquarters area now. His name was Robert Meyer. And uh, Robert brought that song to Australia as a missionary. And uh, he was in meetings with me leading the music and uh, teaching some music for those folks over there. And um, he sang that song. And it affects me every time. New grace. You know, his mercies are new and wonderful every morning, but I believe his grace accompanies it. It's wonderful. Grace. Uh, tonight, would you take your Bibles and turn to a couple of different scriptures? I'd like you to turn to uh, Ephesians chapter 2 and also Hebrews chapter 9. It's always a joy to have the opportunity to preach here, and uh, it's always a blessing to my soul to uh, be able to uh, come and to stand in this pulpit because it's uh, a renowned pulpit. It's renowned because it faithfully uh, has stood here and people who have been invited to preach here uh, and of course our pastor uh, fails not to deliver the goods, amen? And I'm thankful for that. That's, well, that's one of the reasons that we came here. And uh, we're thankful for that being a very large part of the decision that we made in coming this direction. Ephesians chapter 2, it's in the Bible here somewhere. Uh, there it is. No, that's Philippians. Okay, here we go. Uh, and also, did I say Hebrews chapter 9? I think I did. Lost my marker there. But I want you to look uh, there in these two passages with me tonight. But before I... Uh, read there, I want to just quote uh, something from Dr. DeHaan. Now, uh, probably few of the younger generation would know who Dr. DeHaan was, but Dr. DeHaan was a medical doctor turned pastor uh, many years ago and was on the radio Bible broadcast for years. And uh, as a medical doctor, he was able to make many applications of things in the Bible uh, which we could easily relate to because we all have uh, these physical bodies which break down and which have need of attendance every once in a while from a medical practitioner. Uh, it seems like I have need of more of those all the time now, but... Anyway, uh, he was able to bring about a lot of uh, truth using his medical background. And uh, we know that the Word of God uh, says a lot about many things uh, concerning our physical bodies. As a matter of fact, the Apostle Paul uh, used the body, the physical body, to teach us a great deal about the spiritual body. He used uh, athletics, he used uh, husbandry, he used a lot of different things to give us some insight as to spiritual truth. And uh, Dr. DeHaan was very good at this. He wrote a lot, and you can still uh, find his books and find his recordings, I think. 
And uh, one of the things that I've been thinking about for a few days, uh, really since Pastor asked me to be ready for this night, is the fact that Veterans Day was going to be celebrated before this Sunday. And uh, as a veteran myself, a combat veteran, um, having shed blood on the foreign field, I thought about the subject of the blood of the Lord Jesus. And I want to speak to you about that tonight. Now, it's going to be a little bit hickly-pickly maybe, but I think we'll get through it and it'll be a blessing to us. But Dr. Dehan called our attention to the blood uh, in several different ways. I'm not going to give them all to you, but I have a couple of things that I just want to say before I get to the scriptures. First of all, he reminded us that the Jews were forbidden to drink blood. In Leviticus chapter 7, verses 26 and 27. They were not to drink blood. They were to abstain from that. And yet, we know that one of the things that survivalists are taught is that if you're dying and you have little or no chance to live very long, perhaps one of the things that will sustain your life is to kill an animal and drink its blood. As a matter of fact, we were taught that when I went through ranger school years ago, and they had us all to take a rabbit. Now, I know that blood is something that repels a lot of people. Uh, some women, especially when they see blood, will go so far as to scream, will go so far as to pass out. <laughs> but you know, men do too. Because I remember sitting in the bleachers being taught this lesson. There were 300 of us hardened soldiers. Hard. And when that sergeant took that rabbit and butchered it with his bare hands and said, now you have to drink this cup of blood that I've taken from this rabbit and pass it around. There were guys falling out like flies. I mean, they were falling off the bleachers. I thought we were really going to have to make them drink it to keep them going. But uh, this subject of the blood is a vital subject. As a matter of fact, I'll just say this. There is no forgiveness of sin without blood. None. You can work as hard as you want. You can be as good as you want. You can do everything under the sun and climb the Mount Everest of good works all the time and never get your sins forgiven. Never. Now it says that the blood uh, atones for sin in the Old Testament. That's Leviticus 17.11. Atonement was the covering. And it had to be done once a year. Uh... The Bible also tells us in Leviticus in chapter 11 or chapter 17, verse 11 and 14, that their life is in the blood. And uh, he proposed, and I believe him probably to be true when he wrote these things, that when God created man, 
in his own image. Remember how uh, God stepped over the battlements of heaven and scooped up some clay and dust of the earth. And he said, let us form man in our own image. And so he, with his own hands, constructed an individual that looks like you and I. As flesh, bone, sinew. And so God created this being whom we know and call Adam. But there's still something missing. He was just stiff as a board when God did that. And so God knelt down over the battlements of heaven and he breathed into the nostrils of that being the breath of life. Blood. Takes more than breath to save a soul. And so God wonderfully chose this substance, which is amazing. It's different than any other cellular makeup of the Bible, although it's made up of cells. The cellular makeup of the Bible is pretty well stationary. Once it's there, it's there. But blood flows. It needs to. Blood, unlike fixed tissue, is not limited to one part of the body. It supplies the fixed cells with nourishment and carries off the waste products of the cell. Continuously supplies and cleans all cells, keeps constant communication, if you will, made of many various compounds and elements. That's his statement. I don't think it's untrue. I think it's true that blood is the absolute essential for this flesh and bone to live. Now, there's all kinds of applications we can make, but for time's sake, we had the choir sing tonight, so I can't... Uh, I knew I'd get it in somewhere. I tried to complain earlier, but it was unheard, except by a few people that sit near me. <laughs> Ephesians chapter 2, if you would, verse 11 through 17. Wherefore, remember that ye being in time past Gentiles in the flesh who were called uncircumcision by that which is called the circumcision in the flesh made by hands, that at that time ye were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenant promises, having no hope and without God in the world. But now, in Christ Jesus, ye who sometimes were far off are made nigh by the blood of Christ. For he is our peace, who hath made both one and hath broken down the middle wall of partition between us, having abolished in his flesh the enmity, even the law of commandments contained in ordinances, for to make in himself of twain one new man, so making peace, and that he might reconcile both unto God in one body by the cross, having slain the enmity thereby, and came and preached peace to you which were far off, and to them that were nigh, for through him, oh, I went too far. That's uh, where I want to stop there. Uh, turn over to Hebrews. 
in chapter number 9. Hebrews chapter number 9. Starting in verse 11. Down through 22. But Christ, being come and high priest of good things to come, by a greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is to say, not of this building, neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood. He entered in once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. For if the blood of bulls and of goats and the ashes of an heifer sprinkled the unclean, sanctifieth to the purifying, excuse me, of the flesh, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. And for this cause, he is the mediator of the New Testament, that by means of death, for the redemption of the transgressions that were under the First Testament, they which are called might receive the promise of eternal inheritance. For where a testament is, there must also of necessity be the death of the testator, For a testament is of force after men are dead. Otherwise, it is of no strength at all while the testator liveth. Whereupon neither the first testament was dedicated without blood. For when Moses had spoken every precept to all the people according to the law, he took the blood of calves and of goats with water and scarlet wool and hyssop and sprinkled both the book and all the people, saying, This is the blood of the testament which God hath enjoined unto you. Moreover, he sprinkled with blood both the tabernacle and all the vessels of the ministry, and almost all things are by the law purged with blood. And without the shedding of blood is no remission. Let's pray a minute. Heavenly Father, I believe and am sure that the devil has fought me tooth and nail about preaching this message. For it's been my experience for all these years that when we come to the doctrine of the blood this is which he is most fearful of for it is the blood that makes all the difference so I pray you'd help me tonight I would that people would see Jesus I would that people would have their hearts and minds brought into the captivity of Christ And that we would be able to glorify God as a result of what you do in our lives here tonight. Have your will and way now, we pray and ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. The blood of Jesus Christ, I believe, is the missing ingredient in today's gospel. I really do. Uh, We hear that we need to believe, that's true. We hear that we need to repent, that's true. 
we hear that we need to look to Jesus by faith and repentance toward God. True. But if you don't have a beginning place and a foundation, you're not going to get very far along in a profession that fails to recognize that it was the blood that provided your redemption. The shedding of it. Now, I want to give you some things to think about tonight. I hope you can remember these, perhaps chew on them and meditate upon them, for it's most important. Number one, it is of singular importance, the blood of Jesus Christ. And I say that because of what it says in Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 11 through 14. It can't be blood of goats and calves and bulls. and It can't be blood of mere humankind. Although down through the ages, isn't it amazing how that through all of the nations that the world has had living upon this planet, there has been history written, there has been records made of anything from blood sacrifices of animals, blood sacrifices of human beings, blood sacrifices of adults, blood sacrifices of virgin girls, blood sacrifices of babies. They, even Israel fell into the devilish trap of putting their babies on the hot arms of the god Moloch down in the valley of Hinnom. And blood has been something which has been in the back of the mind of every person who wanted to find God, worship God, do something about God. They needed to have some sort of blood involved and to offer to the God of the universe this unseen God. It's of singular importance because there's no blood that can be provided by mortal man that can save you. There's no blood that can be provided through mortal man's efforts to provide salvation. Turn over a page to Hebrews chapter 10, verses 11 through 14. And every priest standing daily ministering and offering oftentimes the same sacrifice which can never, never take away sins. But this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down on the right hand of God. Only the blood, the divine blood of Almighty God coursing the veins and uh, the body of the Lord Jesus Christ is sufficient for the forgiveness of sins. Only the blood of Christ. So it's of singular importance. Secondly, it's of singular value. We quote 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 19, where it says, Not with silver or gold or any precious substance, but with the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Singular in its importance. It's singular in its value. You know there's not... Anything more valuable than the blood of Jesus Christ. Not a thing. 
I mean, you, you, you stop and think what man has held up as value, what they're holding up from time on beyond, gold, silver, gems, diamonds, rubies, sapphires. Man has sought these things in uh, Ballarat, uh, which is a small town in uh, western Victoria and Australia, in the gold rush in Australia, these people came from all over the world to find gold. They, they left everything they had. They came on ships. They came and, and, and endured hardships of unbelievable nature. As a matter of fact, when they started mining gold in Ballarat, they dug a shaft and they went down until they found the quartz. And when they found the quartz, they started digging the quartz and they tunneled all over underneath this uh, place called Ballarat, which I've been there and there is an independent Baptist church there, praise the Lord. The average age was less than 33 years of age. They died. They endured temperatures below freezing, snowy weather, down in the cold water of that shaft 12 hours a day. Then they would come up, and for a shelter, they had mere canvas tents. And so pneumonia was rampant, all kinds of problems accompanied their desperate search for gold. And I know there's stories like that in every gold rush, in every silver rush. Everywhere you go, you could find stories of men and women enduring hard, hard, hard difficulty to find a few dollars worth of gold. Now, admittedly, there have been those who have struck it rich, but you can find story after story that they didn't keep it very long. Somebody else came along and got it. But you know, silver, gold, and precious stones, <laughs> they're going to burn. But the blood of Jesus Christ is eternal. Plus, you can't secure salvation with riches. Frank Sinatra, some of you may remember, it said that he paid $2 million to be absolved of his sin. Now, that's a while ago, and so $2 million was a lot. I mean, it's like pittance now, but $2 million back then was a large amount of money. Uh, money won't buy it. Jewels won't buy it. Gold won't buy it. All of these things won't buy it. It is singularly valuable... Because the Bible calls it precious, and it is the blood of the Lamb. Thirdly, it is of singular effect. The way things are going here, I'm only going to get about a third of this in. But that's all right. You'll get enough. Um, it's of a singular effect. I was thinking, as I told you about all the blood that's been shed by our military 
since the inception of our country in a blood-stained revolt and the death of so many in the conquering of the country and in the Civil War, perhaps the most horrible to see brother against brother shedding one another's blood. The price that was paid in blood is just astronomical. But you know, that's but a drop in the bucket compared to all of the ages of blood that's been shed for varied and many different reasons. Think about the blood shed when you went out and found 144,000 men dead. The angel had struck them dead. Think about Armageddon. It says in the word of God that the blood will run to the bridle of the horse, the bit, in the valley of Megiddo. Some of the haunting things that a combat soldier oftentimes has is the amount of bloodshed. Some of the haunting things that murder victims' people have is the fact that their wife, their son, their daughter, their loved one lay dying, bleeding to death on the sidewalk. when, When we start to think about this, it's amazing how it has desensitized us. I mean, I'm glad pastor's up in Harrisburg right now. Those people need a lot of help. Uh, If you don't understand that, come and ask me afterwards. Maybe not that particular church, but that whole state needs some help. Arizona needs some help. Nevada surely needs some help. The only thing that's going to help any of those places is the preaching of the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Because mankind owes Almighty God for the blood that was shed for them. It's of singular effect. Fourthly, it is of singular power. Something that I think is oftentimes overlooked, and you can look this verse up, but Revelation 12, 11 says they overcame by the blood. They overcame what? The assault of Satan and all evil against them. They overcame him by the blood, not by faith. It's the blood and it's faith in the blood. So it's of singular power. You know, I've talked to a lot of veterans over the years and course of my ministry. I went to a small town called Mildura, which is uh, there on the border of New South Wales, Victoria, and Queensland, right in the corner. They grow the most beautiful fruit there that you could ever wish for. Oranges, citrus fruit, fruit galore. 
And uh, one day a brother came to me. I was getting around early in the morning. He said, Brother Weeks, can you come with me? Uh, I've been trying to witness to this fella who's next door to my next door neighbor. And I see him every morning sitting on his porch and I finally got bold enough to go up and see him. His name is Jack. And I said, sure, let's go. He said he's a, he's a very ill man, very sick. I said, well, even let's get there quicker than we can. So we went over and Jack uh, was sitting at the kitchen table and there was a mound. I'm talking a, a literal mound of pill bottles. There had to be at least 50 to 75 different prescriptions that that man was taken down every day. I looked at him and said, sir, are you getting any results by taking all this stuff? He said, I don't think so. Growled at me. And I said, well, are you going to keep taking it? He said, I don't have a choice. We got to talking, and my friend had introduced me as a fellow soldier. I said, I'm not a fellow soldier. This guy, he served in World War II. I served in Vietnam. I said, but we probably saw a lot of the same things. He said, oh, maybe. After a while, I said to Jack, I said, listen, Jack, have you ever trusted the Lord as your Savior? He looked at me with tears running down his cheeks, and he said, I can't be saved. I said, what? He said, I can't be saved. I said, oh, yes, you can. He said, no, I can't. I said, yes, you can. He said, you don't know what I've done. And then he described to me a horrendous, awful, terrible thing that he was involved in in Guadalcanal. Back in the day, they had men that carried napalm on their back. And they had the opportunity oftentimes to spray that napalm at the enemy. They came up against a Japanese pillbox, which was called a pillbox because they didn't have any other description for it. It was just little slits coming out of the concrete where they'd fire the machine guns at you. They came up to that pillbox and Jack said the sergeant came to him and he said, fire him out of there. And so he picked up the flamethrower and he charged up the hill with flames coming out of that flamethrower, going in toward that pillbox and flames going inside that pillbox until the, the fuel and the napalm was completely emptied out of his tank. And then his brethren or his, his comrades went in there and to clean up with bullets. I said, Jack, that's just a matter of war. He said, oh, yeah. He said, I, I believe that. But he said, what we didn't know is that there were 250 children and women in back of that pillbox in the cave. And he said, I torched them. There's no way that a God could save me. I said, but wait a minute, Jack. You didn't know that. He said, but I knew it after it was done. 
And I have had that guilt in my heart and that awful burden over my being all these years. He was now 70-some years of age. And I said, Jack, there's a glorious answer. And that answer is the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. He paid with his own blood so that we could be forgiven. All of a sudden, Jack started breathing real heavy. And my friend, who is a EMT, he said, Brother Weeks, he's going to die right here in front of us. I said, better he die with the gospel on his ear than he die without it. So I continued on. I said, Jack, Christ can save you. He paid the price of all your sin with his own shed blood. Won't you trust Christ? He said, would you tell me how? His wife, I'll never forget. She was standing there completely stunned at the kitchen uh, uh, cabinet there. She was making pickles. And she was absolutely stunned. I mean, vinegar was going everywhere and sugar and all kinds of stuff and pickle peel. And Jack said, just tell me how. So I led him in a simple sinner's prayer. And I said, just claim, claim the blood of Jesus Christ, Jack. Say, God, Jesus shed his blood for me and I need it right now to save me. It was amazing just to watch this shaking, trembling, fearful, doubting soldier who warred in a terrible place called Guadalcanal. A calm swept over him. I said, Jack, are you okay? He said, I'm better than I've ever been before. I mean, the power the singular power that's in the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ is unmatched in the world. You can tell somebody they must do a catechism. You can tell somebody they must do this. You can tell somebody they got to be baptized. You can tell them all of that religious tripe. But if you don't tell them that the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ is the bottom line of the plan of salvation, then you've done them a great disservice. Well, I'm a third of the way. Let's go a little bit more. Nothing but the blood can secure my salvation. We've already spent a little time there. Nothing can cleanse my being but the blood. Nothing can forgive my sin and pay the penalty of it. Nothing can make me whole and complete. First Colossians 9 and 10. Fifthly, nothing can be or is my only plea for salvation but the blood. It's the only thing that can give me access to him in fellowship. We know that we have fellowship with God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, and with one another because of the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Revelation 7 and 14 says we have access to heaven because of the blood of Christ. You're not going to go through the door to the gates of heaven 
without pleading just as I am, without one plea, but that the blood of Jesus was shed for me. We have access to the promises. 1 Corinthians chapter 7. Because of the blood. Wherefore, dearly beloved, having these precious promises, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and of the spirit. Spiritual filthiness is a hard one. Man, I can clean up physically pretty good. Well, some think so. But spiritually, that's underneath. You can be carrying around a weight of spiritual sin, and the only thing that's going to cleanse it is trusting in the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, I've had to deal with some issues myself over the years, and uh, David was unable to build the temple because he had blood on his hands. And there's things that you're limited to if you have blood on your hands. Thankfully, there are those who have never had to shed blood, and God can use them in a far greater way oftentimes. But I've had to deal with some things in my own personal life. I'm not going to share them with you, but simply say this. There are times, especially before I rest my head on the pillow, that I must fall on my knees and say, oh God, I can't, but all I can do is ask you by the Holy Spirit of God and the power of the blood of Christ to let me sleep. I don't want to dream. I don't want to imagine vain things. I don't want to get caught up in some filth of the past. I don't want to get caught up in the, in the things seen in warfare and other places because it is so easy for the devil to come into your life at any time of the day or night and get you onto something which is just going to despoil everything. And so claim the blood of Jesus Christ over this stuff and it is amazing how wonderful your waking hour is. Well, they got psychologists, they've got other people that analyze, they got all kinds of people that tell you to do substitution things and all that. It's all hokey. You need to let the blood, the power, more powerful than anything else in this world is the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. We are his body formed by his blood. What we were by nature over in, uh, let's turn over back over to Ephesians, if you would please, just for a couple minutes. Ephesians chapter 2. We read it, we'll not reread it, but in verse 11 and 12, it tells us what we were by nature. We're lost, undone, unholy, ungodly in this present world. We're just lost sinners by nature. Nothing of any human contribution can help us. Nothing. What we were by nature, it says we were Gentiles outside the pale of religious recognition. Verse 11a. We were called uncircumcision by that which is circum, or by the circumcision of the flesh, 11b. 
As such, we were lost without Christ, without place among God's people, without a share in his covenants, without hope, and without God in the world. Verse 12. That's what we were. All of us, by nature. Then, what we are in Christ Jesus, verse 13 through 17. Number one, we're made nigh by the blood of Christ. Verse 13. I remember 47 years ago now, 48 years ago, we went to Australia to minister in the area of evangelistic work. There were only about 25 independent Baptist churches in Australia at the time. And uh, it didn't look very promising at first. I did almost nothing for the first four months that we were there. I remember standing in the shower saying, Dear God, man, I've really blown it here. I thought I was a spiritual man and knew what I was doing. He said, You do. Just stand still. I'll work it out. He did. We ended up preaching all over the country of Australia, New Guinea, Papua New Guinea, Vanuatu, French New Hebrides. We had an opportunity to preach in places that no one had taken the gospel that we know of. And you know what I found? I found out that when people heard about the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, they would turn and say, all the blood that's been shed around the world, none of that is sufficient. I said, not a bit of it. The only sufficient blood is the blood that coursed the veins of the Lord Jesus Christ, for it was God's blood. Victoria was, I think, two and a half or three at the time. And I used to have her come up in some meetings and sit in my hand. I was strong enough back then. I certainly couldn't do it now, but. (laughs) I'd have her sit in my hand. And this one incident in particular stands out. We were preaching in a place called Kennedy, just a little blot in in the road where there was an aboriginal settlement. Aborigines. They have some very, very mystical beliefs. Don't have time to go through them, but they have some very mystical beliefs. There was an opportunity for me to go there and preach a couple of nights. And I took Jennifer and Victoria along on that particular trip. And Victoria, a little blonde-haired, blue-eyed white girl. These aboriginal people were as black as coal. Some of the most wonderful Christian people when they get converted, I'll tell you, it's just amazing. So I called Victoria up and I said, get my hand. So she put her hand on my head and I'd pick her up and here we go. I'd say, Victoria, I want you to quote Ephesians 2.13. 
two and a half years old. And she would quote it. Ye who sometimes were far off are made nigh by the blood of Christ of Jesus. I said, that correct, is it? No. So I'd have to read it, and then she'd get it right. And while she's saying the word of God, and she came to the blood, their eyes got so wide, I had her do it four times. And all of a sudden, there were wails from a people who rarely show any emotion whatsoever. For they heard that it was the blood of Jesus Christ which made it possible for them to draw nigh to God and to be brought nigh to God. And there was some salvations in that little aboriginal camp. We are not only made nigh by the blood, but we are made one in Christ Jesus. Verse 14 through 17, we don't have time, but you can follow it along. He is our peace, 14 and 15a. He made peace for us, 15b and 16. He preached peace, verse 17. And then as the one body, we have access by one spirit, chapter 2 and 18. Our access is through the Son, by the Spirit, unto the Father. Now the blood's important. The preaching of it, I think, has been diminished. I really do. You see, there's power in the blood. And I don't care if it's a two and a half year old or if it's a 75 year old doofus like myself. You start preaching on the blood, and all of a sudden, it grips the soul like no other message in the Bible. The blood shed. Now listen, I, I was going to do something tonight, but I'm not. It, I was going to have us calculate how much blood has fallen around the world over time and how many super tankers it would fill and how many times around the world those super tankers would be lined up. Takes 55 people, basically, to fill a barrel of blood. We all have approximately seven liters. An imperial gallon is 5.2 liters, 5.3. So it's a little bit bigger than our gallon. Coursing your veins and mine tonight unless you gave blood on the way to church. Isn't it amazing? When they want to help people, they got to get blood. That's another subject. But you know, if all of that human blood and every bit of blood that's been shed in the name of peace and freedom and democracy and, and, and every kind of thing that you could think about, if all of that blood could be in one place and presented to Almighty God, it's nothing. But if it was just one drop, one, of the blood which coursed the veins of our beautiful Savior, it would be sufficient. But God said no. 
God said, I'm going to drain all of it. As he hung there on the tree, every drop fell. All of it, seven liters, maybe more. Because the Bible tells us that he made a sacrifice once and for all and forever. There's no more opportunity for blood to be shed for redemption. It's been done. And you and I need to trust the blood of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of our sins, the cleansing of our souls, and the building up of our spirit. Listen, claim the blood. Use the power that's in the blood. Actively pursue the blood of the Lamb. For those of you that are not saved, won't be saved unless you believe that the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ is all sufficient. Would you take your hymnal and turn with me to 118? Those of us that are saved, oh, would you trust not in anything except the blood for your earthly sojourn your earthly life. There's a fountain. Well, thank God for fountains, amen. There's a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins. Sinners plunged beneath that flood lose all, lose all their guilty stains. 